It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Bumper music by Matt Blaze. I am quick to blame Matt Blaze when um, he doesn't get songs that we like or picks songs that are off theme or does any variety of things that are worthy of blame. This is actually a wonderful, wonderful selection by Mr. Matt Blaze. I know what boys like. Song by The Waitresses. The Waitresses. One of the great musical groups of our time. I don't know if they were actually professional waitresses. Somebody that may know the answer to that is Michael Fagan, longtime waiter and the creator and host of Waiting to be Famous and Waiter Nation. And as far as I'm concerned, the best ambassador for uh, being a waiter that there is in this country. You know, I was at my dad's yesterday and uh, we ended up talking about a, a restaurant issue that he had as a patron and, uh, you know, he, he pays a lot of attention to restaurant etiquette because he was a waiter for over a decade. And I said, the person I really want to run this by is Michael Fagan. And sure enough, as we're brainstorming different questions to ask Michael Fagan, we ended up with a whole bunch of questions that only a waiter can answer. And I am thrilled that Michael Fagan's agreed to uh, stay up late with us and answer them. Michael, it's great to talk with you again. How have you been? Hey, Frank, I'm doing great, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. A pleasure's all mine. Now, um, help help us out here, Michael, because a lot of people view the profession of being a waiter as not really a profession. A lot of a, a lot of people view it as something you do while you're in college or while you're waiting to get called to, to uh, for another job, a police officer, or you do something to supplement your career as an actor or a writer. But um, you actually can make a professional career as a waiter it's not strictly a transitory profession is it no absolutely and that's why i started waiter nation because uh i i was doing shows about uh my colleagues my profession and uh and and this is why it's because i believe that we might choose the restaurant for the food but we choose to go back on how we're treated and that's where myself and my colleagues come in is is we make you feel welcome and we want to make you come back and there's a lot of knowledge and there's a lot of skill and there's a lot of talent and that's often overlooked but as a as a patron when you go out if there's no talent, then you won't return. Mm, uh, no, that's for sure. So you mentioned Waiter Nation. I absolutely yes. love the shows that you've done on this, and uh, people Thank can you. check it out on YouTube. Just search Waiter Nation and uh, see some of these great videos. I- explain to folks the, the idea for doing a talk show about waiters. The audience extends beyond waiters, I imagine, right? The audience is everybody, and I think it's very relatable whether uh, you go out to dinner, but also so many people have done the job. And they've done it for two years. Maybe they did it in college or along the way. Uh, so they can definitely relate to it. Uh, so what I started doing was I interview waiters, but I don't talk about the job. 
I talk about the person and I let the audience say, wouldn't it be a great experience to have this person wait on you? You, you know, and uh, I've waited on professional cyclists and lifeguards and uh, restaurant owners themselves and, and uh, reality TV stars. And I, I think I took it about as far as I could. And then I started a show called, I always wanted to do it, called Waiting to be Famous, right? So I talked to celebrities that waited tables before they found their fame. And those stories are famous, but, you know, they really want to talk about it. And they're, they're really proud about how they came up and their humble beginnings. And, uh, you know, I talked to Kate Flannery. She played Meredith on The Office and Tom Arnold. And it, it's fun. So... That's that's my project that I'm working on. That's now. great. Now people can't see uh, "Waiting to Be Famous" yet, right? No, I have a few episodes out, and they're on YouTube and oh, Facebook. Okay, is probably great. my largest. Uh, yeah, but I, I did those interviews, and after COVID, you know, Zoom calls made it more easy and convenient than to uh, get a, a celebrity on location. So we can do it, and I have a pr- producer and editor that produces it, and we put together a real nice piece. Uh, so and 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 they're proud. Tom Arnold, you know. He just talked about the camaraderie between the team. And, uh, you know, Tom had a lot of stories about getting drunk as a young kid, <laughs> as as everybody knows, you know. But they were funny. And uh, uh, Kate Flannery from The Office, who plays Meredith, uh, you, you know, hilarious. Uh, 20 years she spent as a waitress. Wow. In, uh, I had no idea. cities. Wow. And uh, ended up in Beverly Hills waiting on everybody from uh, all the sports figures to uh, Steve Martin to, I mean, more celebrities than I've waited on. Ten times more. And she uh, she brought her tie. She still has her tie from her uniform. <laughs> like there's still a lot of pride, you, you know. And uh, and I thought, so what better way to sell my profession than to have a celebrity sell it for me? You, you know, to say, look, if they're cool enough to have my profession, maybe you take a second look at it and say, uh, you, you know, it, it is a profession. I mean, the knowledge that uh, the people around me have, and how much they know about wine, how much they know about uh, spirits and and uh, service and service standards and food. Uh, you have to be the jack of all trades. You have to know as much as food about a chef, and you have to know the cocktails like a bartender, the the wines like a wine sommelier. You know, you have to know a little bit about everything, and and then you have to be a performer because you got to perform in front of every table in some way or another just to carry conversations on and make their night special. Now, let me run uh, this situation by you uh, yep. that I had uh, yesterday at uh, at uh, my dad's house, which is what prompted me to have the idea to, to reach out to you. My dad was out to dinner uh, the other day at a very high-end steakhouse in, in New York, right? So he orders a filet mignon, not a not an inexpensive dish, and everybody else was getting, you know, a pretty, pretty nice, you know, nice-priced meal. So he orders a filet mignon, um, medium uh, medium rare, and at first it was dramatically overcooked. Right then they bring it back. He and he he's not a guy that routinely sends food back. They bring it back, and at this point, the manager watches the waiter uh, or watches my dad cut open this steak and sees right away that it's dramatically undercooked and then without even saying anything he takes the 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 dish back to the kitchen and brings him another one now the question that that we all discussed and debated among ourselves is how many times do you send a dish back before the restaurant is sort of expected to comp that particular meal well i think at two 
Two. I, I mean, it you, is two. You know, that was the consensus. Can, any, I would think. I would think. You, you know, anyone can make a mistake as long as it's not consistent. You know, you can you can make a mistake and and be off on a temperature or. But at, at two, when it comes to the second time, there should have been a little more effort behind that and it should come out. And listen, it's happened to me. It's happened to me many times over the years. It's embarrassing and uh, there's not much you can do about it except try to fix it as soon as possible. But yeah, at that point, I don't believe your dad should pay for the state. Right. My, my father's speculation was that the waiter brought him the wrong steak, a steak that was intended for someone else that uh, that ordered it prepared differently. Is that um, is that likely, do you think? Well, there's a lot of hands involved, right? So mm-hmm. there's there's a chef that's taking it out of the window uh, or the pass, however they call it. And then there's maybe a food runner or a back waiter that's going to take it from the kitchen to the table. And uh, the waiter themselves in my case, most of the time, I'm overseeing everything. So I'm mm. generally not taking taking food from the kitchen and bringing it from the table. I'm overseeing, making sure everybody else does it. But could have been a lot of mistakes there. Now, I, I believe what they did the second time around, they just went back and they said, Chef, we really screwed up and we need a steak right away and we mm. need it medium rare. Uh. And they pulled something out of the broiler that wasn't quite ready. Uh, we're talking with Michael Fagan, longtime waiter and the creator and host of the shows Waiting to be Famous and Waiter Nation. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them on Facebook. Uh, Michael, by the way, how long have you been a waiter? 1983 Mother's Day was my first day on, uh, in a restaurant. I had no idea what I was doing. I was in high school. I was in Pennsylvania. I started waiting tables the busiest day of the year for most restaurants, Mother's Day. And... Uh, I started making more money than everybody else in high school, and I and I got hooked on it. And uh, I lived close to Atlantic City, so when uh, I, I graduated from high school, I moved to Atlantic City. It was in the 80s. It was the heyday of Atlantic City. I came down. I got a great job in a gourmet restaurant. Again, I had no idea about, you know, the wines and, and how fancy service could be. And I, I was lucky enough to work with about eight or ten European guys that were about 20 years older than me, French, Italy, um, and they had tremendous pride in this profession. And they were extremely tough on me. And I am extremely tough on young guys that come into my restaurant now. So that's how it goes. So almost 40 years you've been doing this. F- 40 years next year. Wow. Yeah. That's great. God, Started at God 16, bless you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you get the sense that there's a generational uh, difference in attitude when it comes to waiting tables. You know, the, the favorite thing of people in, in every line of work and every profession seems to be, ah, these kids today, it wasn't like that when I was coming up. Um, how do you compare the, uh, other than the experience differential, which I'm sure is significant, the attitude of a younger person that goes into being a waiter today versus somebody that uh, might have been a young person and starting in this job around the time you started. It's funny. I just had a conversation with a, a, a buddy of mine the other day, and uh, it seems like, this is my impression, and you're right, every generation says it, but when I was young, I wanted to impress the old guys. I wanted to impress the... Per- I wanted them to say, hey, Fagan, you did a great job tonight. That was worth more than me than money. And I see a lot of times, and I've worked a ton of restaurants, and uh, I see a lot of times people come in and say, Oh, you make a lot of money here? How much money am I going to make? And I always say, listen, learn your craft, do your best, Mm. and money will happen. But if you do it the other way around, it won't happen. And I think that goes with any profession, right? If you learn your craft and you do it well, you're going to make money in the profession that you choose. 
and that's that's how a restaurant works as well. Uh, talking with Michael Fagan from uh, Waiter Nation. One of the things that's gotten a lot of coverage is the issue of of tipping. When restaurants Mm. first reopened, first for outdoor service only, now things are back to normal. Then it was limited capacity for a while, depending on the jurisdiction, depending on the city. Um, Now things are back to normal. One of the things that got a lot of attention is that people were being extra generous with their tipping. And there was one article last week that showed that those generous tipping habits have continued even though things are now fully back to normal. What have you observed in terms of the difference in tipping since the pandemic? I don't really mu- notice much of change in tipping that people are really over tipping or under tipping. Now, I, I do work in a casino and I've worked most of my career in casinos. Um, but I'm surprised that we're still so busy because right after COVID, of course, I mean, we were just everybody couldn't wait to get out. Sure. So everybody was out. But it's continued. And we're still like this summer, I think, might have been better than last summer, the numbers. And that's what's surprised me. As far as uh, big tips versus bad tips, again, um, I tell everybody, man, if you're counting your money in the middle of the night, you're making a mistake. If you're, I, I know what people tip me, but it's really not my concern until midnight. You know, that's when, we, when you put it all together and you tip out and you pay everybody that, that helped you, uh, your support staff. If, if you're looking at each table's tips and, and counting, counting your money as you go, I, I've always said you can't, you can't, you know, watch pot never boils. Well, if you're, if you're counting the money going into your pocket, it never accumulates to anything. You just, just do the job. And, Is, uh, have you noticed any sort of a difference between trends on tipping when it comes to gender? Do men or women tend to be better or worse tippers or is everybody pretty much in the same ballpark? I will say this. New Yorkers tip the best. Hmm. And I don't know about, you know, that's what, and, and coming from Atlantic City, and maybe that's because they drive down to Atlantic City and they're going to have a nice time. And, uh, you know, it's almost a vacation atmosphere. But I would say that uh, New Yorkers are uh, great tippers. That's, that's what I would say. Uh, my sister insisted that I ask you the question, how often do you hear the, the joke that when someone finishes the entirety of their meal, uh-huh. they say to you, uh, holding an empty plate, oh, they forgot to bring me my meal? How, how, how common is that particular refrain? That one, and also, uh, can you wrap this up for me? We're going to take the rest of this home. <laughs> you, you know, yeah, we hear a lot of the same jokes over and over, and it's almost, uh, you know, there's a lot of memes on social media about it's a, uh, it's a talent to fake laugh. But, hey, you know, people are having a good time, and they think it's funny, and sure. maybe they had a cocktail, and they're laughing. So I have a good time with everybody, too, man. I can't, you but, know. So those two, are we talking once a week? Are we talking twice a week? Are we talking oh, once every other six week? Times oh, real, <laughs> six times a night. Really? Six times a night? Yeah, every, everybody says the same stuff, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But <laughs> I'd love to be the the person that says, you know, the waiter's going to get a big kick out of this one. <laughs> he really is probably yeah, never Oh, yeah. It. Everybody, you know, listen, I look like everybody on TV to everybody <laughs> every every single night. You know, you know who you look like. And it's a different person every night. And it's it's a lot of the same conversation. But being in Atlantic City, I do get an opportunity to talk to people from all over the country and uh, even the world sometimes. And uh, it's cool. You, you know, if you if you look at it, it maybe I didn't do it my whole career but now as i'm getting older and more experienced man just look at it like everybody's having fun at my place sure. and uh, it all works out you, you know what is the best response to the what's the best punchline i should say to waiter there's a fly in my soup 
well, if there's a fly in your soup, that's a, that's a problem, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, as a as a joke, as sure. A joke yeah, I mean, me? Soupy Sales made a whole. Uh, I think yeah, he made a whole yeah, living out of that. That one. Out of there's a there's a fly in my soup. I guess you just laugh it off and and go along and let them lead with it. All right, so you don't go and say, oh, you know, don't worry, he doesn't drink much or anything along those. Oh, that's <laughs> a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> um, if you had to pick as a waiter, you mentioned Mother's Day is generally one yeah. of the big, busiest days of the year. What is your favorite day of the year to work? Could be the busiest or the most lucrative. If you had to pick the favorite, your favorite day of the year to work, what would it be? I'd say New Year's Eve. And mm. the reason is that, uh, you know, since I was young, I, I don't go out on New Year's Eve. But I do go to a party every year, and it's in the restaurant that I work. And I celebrate with some of my closest friends. And it's usually a great money night. If you're a waiter, you're going to make a bunch of money on, on New Year's Eve. That's that's when people, I guess, would be uh, very generous. And so that's the night. I mean, that's game night. That's that's like the biggest night of the year. People, We all get dressed up. Customers get dressed up. Everybody has a great time. I'm usually there till 2 a.m. in the morning. It doesn't, mm. you know, and that's what I do. At midnight, the staff's family usually shows up. All the wives and husbands and kids and, you know, uh, will, will show up. And it's almost, you know, so I get to celebrate New Year's Eve with some of my best friends. And those are the people I work with. Uh, how you mentioned being in Atlantic City for the yep. bulk of your career. I know you're at American Cut, at, which is at the yes. Ocean, which is a great steakhouse. I've, I've eaten there several times, including mm-hmm. with uh, including with you as my waiter. It's always sure. a great experience. How's Atlantic City doing right now? As far as I see it, we are doing great. I mean, I, I, I see the reports come out each each month in the uh, in the paper as they report the numbers. Numbers are great. As far as our restaurant, my re- I mean, every night we're busy. We're hiring more people all the time. Um, we're seeing more custom, new customers, not just the same customers. We're getting repeat business, but we're also seeing new customers all the time too. And uh, the, the, I can I look out over my restaurant and we look at the beach. The beach is packed every day. So, as far as ocean, as far as Atlantic City, it's been very successful this summer. It's been busy and it's been positive and. You know, it's been hot as heck, too, so that always helps mm. in a beach town. Would you recommend being a waiter as a career to a young person or even to an older person? It's a tough industry, and uh, it's it's not easy. And I would think that the hardest part is the, uh, the weekends and the holidays that you work, because a lot of times you're not with family. But I can tell you this. I have three grown daughters. I've raised three grown daughters, I, you know, on, on a waiter's salary. You know, and we're not rich, but uh, we had what we needed and, and we had a good life. And uh, there's a lot of free time. You know, I've always, you know, these these uh, extra activities like Waiter Nation I was able to produce for years. I, I've, I've gone after, I've opened a, a few businesses of my own. I've always had spare time on the side. And uh, so I would recommend being a waiter more than a chef. Hmm. How about that? Got it. Oh, well, I'll take. If you're it. going to work in a restaurant, work out front and smile and shake hands rather than be in a hot kitchen all night. A lot of the listeners to uh, to this show remember the incredible work that uh, Paul Harvey did on the radio for so many years, and uh, yep. I loved Paul Harvey, and so did the listeners that heard him on, uh, I think, a thousand other radio stations around the country, listening to him do Paul Harvey news and commentary. One of his most famous monologues that he ever did, that he ever delivered, was God Made a Farmer. And it was recently 
used in a Super Bowl commercial a few years ago, and it's still just as resonant. Uh, it still resonates just as much today as it did when he recorded it, I think, in the early 70s. You did, I think, one of the most creative takeoffs on that ever, and I'm going to play it for folks as we as we go to break. It's called God Made a Waiter. Tell yeah. me what inspired you to take that Paul Harvey monologue on being a farmer and translate it to the world of waiting tables. When, when I started doing uh, Waiter Nation, I was going around to different restaurants and I was asking to do interviews. And they said, sure, we'll get the chef out here and we'll make some food. And I said, no, I want to talk to the waiters. And I was getting a lot of rejection and a lot of no's because nobody actually, they, they you know, waiters aren't on TV. Waiters, waiters don't do interviews. But I wanted to interview the waiters. So I was, I was j- driving home from a, a rejection that I was just asking to do an interview with. And I thought... Uh, and somehow Paul Harvey's poem came up, so God made a farmer, and I and I couldn't find it at first, and then I found it, and I thought I'm going to do one of these for a waiter, and it took me three months to write, so God made a waiter, and I even told people I said I'm going to make a poem about being a waiter, and everybody thought like What are you crazy? Like just do your interviews, and this went viral, uh, you know, millions of views, million views. Tens of thousands of comments around the world. I, I got comments and messages from New Zealand and Australia and Europe and all across the country. People saying that they had tears in their, in their eyes after listening. It's two minutes long. It's called So God Made a Waiter. It's probably one of the most, I'm most proud of, of, of this. I'm not in it. It's just a bunch of pictures of uh, waiters. And uh, it, if you're in the industry and you listen to it, I hope it makes you feel Yeah, great. we're going to let people hear it in a second. Michael, it is always a treat to talk with you. I'm going to be actually uh, in Atlantic City next uh, next weekend, so hopefully our paths will cross at some point. Excellent. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for tonight's opportunity. Thank you. Michael Fagan, longtime waiter, creator and host of Waiting to be Famous and Waiter Nation. Uh, just search Waiter Nation on the YouTube, and it comes right up. There's some great stuff on there, including... And on the tenth day, God looked down upon his many restaurants and said, I need a great communicator. So God made a waiter. He said, I need someone to work when everyone else is off. Weekends, holidays, someone to work doubles back to back, then stay late and close, then close again, only to rise early Sunday morning to work brunch. So God made a waiter. It has to be somebody willing to start out bussing and hustling, stacking and racking to build a career, only to hear, what are your future plans for next year? Who knows when to hold, fire, hold for fire, and order fire. That's tough with grit and wit, who can laugh at a joke that might not be funny, whose passion for food rivals chefs, can pour a drink as good as any bartender would, Pops bottles, silent, and can wheel a wine key like a butterfly knife in a ninja's hand. So God made a waiter. I need someone who can rise early, make breakfast, put the kids off to school, and run errands all day. Then pick up the kids from school, come home, fix supper, get ready, then drive through rush hour traffic in the opposite way. Side work complete, your dinner is family meal, where there's always a seat. On your feet till past midnight, drive home, pick up milk on the way. Get home, go to sleep, and do it all again tomorrow. So God made a waiter. 
God said I need somebody smart and fast who thinks better on their feet than in a seat behind a desk, strong enough to fingertip the heaviest tray or a handful of plates stacked up your arm all the way, someone who can turn and burn to earn by flipping covers, getting double, triple, seated, weeded, thriving in the eye of the storm, perform, sell, with perfect timing to calculate exactly when to serve your plate, and all the while with a smile and the laugh, because you can't help but to read Yelp, only to see there's no mention of me. Yet another slight until the end of the night, as a customer comes near to lend an ear, it's spoken very clear. It was our pleasure to be able to celebrate at your table. So God made a waiter. The other side of midnight. midnight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.